What is going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Uh, last week, I thought to myself, you know, how I'm going to open up this episode here, episode number 81 of our Cosida preview, uh, kind of exclusive-ish type of thing. Um, I thought, well, since Ira Thor approached me about doing an educational lounge session a couple weeks ago, I figured, heck, I'd just, you know, kind of do that a little bit so that people know to sign up and everything. I figured that there would be some spots open by this time. And little did I know, guys, I went to um, Holiday World, which is a, a nice um, holiday-themed amusement park up here by my neck of the woods you just you just have to be there it's kind of hard kind of hard concept to kind of think about there is literally a fourth of july land and a christmas land and everything like that but uh anyway came back went to go see incredibles 2 directly after that and um what ended up happening was the registration for the educational lounge sessions opened up on friday and um at noon and that's the day when I went to go do everything and go have fun and stuff. I came back to see if any sessions had filled up because there were only 20 spots per session. And as it turns out, uh, how to do a podcast with myself as a speaker had sold out by Friday night. And uh, I was, I thought, you know, I'll come into this episode and what we'll talk about, you know, we got some spots open if you just want to do it, but that's not the case at all. We are actually sold out and filled to capacity. So I look forward to meeting every single one of you that signed up and hopefully answering some questions that you have. Um, I'm going to try to come as much prepared as possible, even with some podcasting subjects that maybe I don't know about. Um, I'm going to do my best and that I can promise you'll get that from me so but um anyway I wanted to do this sort of thing last year and it kind of fell through the cracks I had a lot of like phone troubles and technical difficulties I didn't have a phone for about a month uh last summer so I was any unable to do something like this I was originally not going to go to Cosida last year in Orlando um and then I ran into Lori and she says she doesn't remember this but uh I ran into Lori in Orlando last year and she's like next year we ought to do a, a preview episode and I said oh yeah sure we can do that so I, I remember that very much and um, having her on uh, to talk about one her background she's from Evansville which I'm really liking this area so uh, and the people that come from this area and Lori's no different and um, two I was just happy that someone be able to come on explain some changes that Cosida was going to be able to go through um, some things some panels uh, different new things educational sessions just like the lounge sessions that we were just talking about there um, it was nice to be able to have someone come on and talk uh, shop really for a little while about what you can expect from this year's convention uh, what's different coming up in Cosida as far as uh, academic all-american uh, as far as Cosida's connect we talk about the new mentor mentee program uh, that those pairings should be coming out in the next couple of days or so to actually now that I think about it, I think today being Thursday as you're listening to this it's actually Tuesday um, being uh, the kind of the deadline for mentees to pick their mentors and everything so we'll go through all that but first we're going to start off with Lori's uh, very first taste of sports information on episode number 82 of SID Council with Lori Bolick of Cosida and just like I mentioned her very first taste of sports information right here on SID Cast.
having me on. Um, you have asked about my background, and I will tell you that um, unlike quite a few people that we work with in this industry, I do not have a lick of athletic ability. Okay, <laughs> can't do, can't throw it in the ocean. As All we right, say. yeah. Um, but I was the oldest of four kids, and my dad took me along to all the high school sports he went to. And we were big high school sports fans when I was growing up. That's what we did on Friday nights. We went to football, we went to basketball, wrestling, volleyball, you name it, my dad took me. And, um, and I just really grew to love sports. Um, so couldn't play, but loved being a spectator and a fan. And then along the way, I, uh, I also realized that I was a pretty good writer. So I was convinced that I would go to college and get a journalism degree and be a sports writer for a major newspaper. Now, there weren't a lot of female sports writers at that time, so mm -hmm. I had some pretty lofty goals. But somewhere along the way, um, I went to Western Kentucky University to major in journalism. And, and during my freshman year, I stumbled into a department in athletics called sports information. And that really changed the trajectory of my career um, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I, I worked for a man named Paul Just, and Paul is in the Cosida Hall of Fame. Um, always was was the uh, prototypical crusty old SID, um, cigar hanging out of his mouth, pink bottle of Pepto Bismol in his briefcase. Um, gruff, just came across as, as very no-nonsense. And, you know, he was absolutely one of the most important people in my life as far as my career is concerned. Um, he gave me a weed-out job, what he called a weed-out job. I had to cut newspaper stories about all the school's athletic teams and paste them at the time. We had a, uh, a clip file, and it, was, it involved uh, rubber cement, and uh, sheets of loose leaf paper and putting it all in a big binder. And he, he told me uh, after the fact, he said, I knew if you didn't come back that you weren't, you know, you weren't in it this for the right reasons. Uh, well, I stuck around and Paul was the ultimate mentor. He let me do more and more uh, as I got, you know, in, on, in my college career. He trusted me to get the job done. And he really knew he could count on me to be at events. So it was a tremendous introduction to the profession. So he was a good friend with the sports information director at the University of Kansas, a man named Doug Vance. Um, and Doug and Paul were good friends when they were both SIDs in the Ohio Valley Conference. So Doug needed an intern, and I needed a job after I graduated from college. And so I found myself on Interstate 70 between uh, St. Louis and Lawrence, Kansas. And um, so, so anyway, trade one mentor, Paul Just, for another mentor, Doug Vance. And um, Doug was just a, a super boss, very incredible a person, very high moral character, and really taught me a lot about um, not, not necessarily sports information, although that was there too, but really about how to be a professional. And I was, you know, your age at the time and just out of college and, and really trying to figure out where I fit in, into an office setting. And Doug was just the perfect boss to have at that time. Um, while I was there, there were two assistant sports information directors, Jeff and Jeff. And, uh, I ended up marrying one of the Jeffs. So, um, <laughs> 
have been, yeah, like, like sports information. I always tell people when they ask about, you know, what I do, I said, you know, sports information directors are the best people. They are just good, genuine people. So good. In fact, that I married one of them. So, um, but anyway, I, I worked at KU for uh, several years and then there was an opening at the NCAA and um, in publishing first and then uh, and then I later transitioned to their special events area. But I worked there for nine years. Um, all of all during that time, my jobs at the NCAA involved interacting with sports information directors at schools. So I never really got far away from SIDs. Um, the NCAA decided to move its headquarters from Kansas City to Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided that we really liked where we lived, and so we, I did not go. Uh, broke my heart. I absolutely loved working for the NCAA, uh, but that's okay. Uh, as it turns out, you know, hindsight, things happen for a reason, all the cliches. Um, right. I worked for a foundation for a little bit and for an energy consulting company for a little bit and I really, really miss sports. So I, I did that for about eight years. Um, you know, good money, best money I've ever made, but, um, decided that, you know, I really wanted to be back in college sports. So I got a job at a sports marketing company here in Overland park. And then a short time later, um, lo and behold, my first boss out of college, Doug Vance, let me know that there was going to be an opening on the Cosida staff Hmm. for a full-time person. So, you know, I jumped at the chance to get back involved at, uh, in the business at this association level. And so I'm just going on my, coming up on my fourth, fourth anniversary and could not be happier. I absolutely love the people that I work with. Um, you know, truly our members, obviously, but also my staff, you know, my, my coworkers. We live in five different states in three different time zones. Uh, so we're a virtual organization. But um, I treasure working with each one of them. They are so bright and they each bring different, um, you know, different skill sets to the association. And it's just, it's just been such a joy working with everybody and reuniting with Doug. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. So you kind of gave us a, just a real big long ex- kind of from start to finish here, but I kind of want to go back to kind of and kind of pick pick apart your story okay. a little bit. So like you kind of mentioned, your dad took you to all these high school athletic events. You're actually from Evansville and Evansville yes. modern day, for those that don't know, is like the big time, you know, right here in Evansville. Well, it depends on who you are. You know, I've kind of figured out everybody is very prideful of where they went to high school here. So going to every single high school athletic event kind of how did that kind of experience I mean did you think about doing something else or did you always just want to do sports journalism did you even try and write a few articles at modern day sure yeah oh absolutely so yeah modern day west side all the way all the way baby. <laughs> uh, very proud of that school all four of us went there and my parents you know made a significant sacrifice to uh to get us through school there and so just to absolutely love that place had some of the some truly great teachers and so i i loved basketball and um my dad like i said my dad was all about taking me to those games. I couldn't play for certain, for, for sure. But um, one game he took me to happened to be uh, an away game. And in Evansville, you know, you, you could travel a little bit of a distance to go to an away game. So we were playing in some little Hoosier-type gym 
uh, I want to say Lagodi. But anyway, I, I came to this game. And the coach, the basketball coach, uh, who was a math teacher at the time, noticed, must have noticed that I was there. And within a couple of weeks, back in school, had said, you know, hey, would you like to be a stat keeper for the basketball team? You cared enough about it to travel to an away game where, you know, no other students were there. So, you, you know, I think you might like this and you might, you might, you might enjoy it. So I did. I started keeping stats. So I guess, truthfully, that's how my sports information career began. So I was a, a statistician for the basketball team. Um, God, I hate to bring this up because this could really come back to haunt me. But I was also the mascot for some football games. Oh, I was okay. Willie Wildcat. Yeah. Do they still have that? something I try to remember, but... Do they still have that mascot? I, I don't think I've I don't think I've seen it uh, quite whenever I went to a game. They do oh, in a okay. much nicer uh, in a much nicer uniform. Certainly not the same one that I I patrolled the sidelines in. Okay. Thankfully. Awesome. Well, what was it kind of about Western Kentucky that drew you there? I know that that's not very far away. Is it like two hours away from Evansville? I think it is. Yeah, it's two hours away. Several things drew me. First of all, that's where. Uh, Quite a few members of my family had gone. Okay. Um, second, they offered in-state tuition for Southern Indiana high school graduates, which was me. And third, and what turns out to be by far the most important reason, is they have an unbelievable journalism program. Uh, just recently won the Hearst competition and placed in the top five in that almost every year. And that's a national competition with all the biggies that you've heard of when it comes to journalism. Mm -hmm. So Western was um, exactly where I should be in studying journalism. So great decision. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yes. those first initial, I know you kind of had like your test little trial by fire thing at WKU. Right. So what were some other things that, you know, he kind of let you – in on what did you have to learn besides the journalism stuff? What were some things you were surprised to learn working with the Hilltoppers? Sure. So um, Paul gave me some responsibility with specific sports. Um, we were not a big department by any stretch, so he did have to. I think he had a couple of graduate assistants and um, several students, and so we we did have sport responsibilities. Um, I know I worked with the men's soccer program. I worked with, um, they only had men's swimming at the time, men's swimming and diving. Um, so I, I worked with those programs, and I would guess, you know, I don't know if it was a surprise, but it was very different for me to, um, you know, have relationships. And remember, I'm a college student, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I've got to build trust and relationships with head coaches of these sports. And, um, you know, not only... Do, do I have the fact that I'm young going against me? But I, at that time, I was a female, and there just weren't a lot of women, uh, young women in college being student assistants. So, you know, it was a, there was a big trust, you know, trust hurdle that we all had to, um, we all had to get over. Um, I do remember Clem Haskins was the basketball coach during part of the time I was on campus, and, um, his daughter actually was one of our star women's basketball players. He was a, a very good person, and he really talked to me about, you know, what it would be like, you know, if, if he had female reporters in the locker room or, you know, some, some situations like that. So right. I learned a lot from the, um, the coaches there and, and hopefully, you know, was able to build up that trust. 
Yeah, awesome. So after WKU, you kind of mentioned went straight over to Kansas. Was there any? What was life like at that time for you? Uh, was there any fear of moving kind of away from this area all the way to Lawrence? You know, it's funny. Um, I I'm sure at the time I got that job, I thought I would be back home in two years. Uh, but life has a way of of changing. And so what happened uh, when I moved out here in August? I guess I started my job in August and. Um, Kansas went on a a tremendous run in men's basketball and won the national championship that year. So I, in fact, I think the Evansville paper even did a little story on me being there, which is kind of funny now, but, um, but yeah, so I got thrown right into actually baseball was the sport that I traveled with, uh, at the time, brand new coach, um, again, all, all males, uh, just one female, me, on the bus, in the hotels, in the dugout, in the press box. Um, but So I learned a, a tremendous amount there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the basketball team and Danny Manning were having this phenomenal success, and it was so much fun to be part of that ride and to see, you know, really to see how a big-time program like that operates. Um, Doug, of course, was the, the main contact, and then my soon-to-be husband was uh, one of the other point people for men's basketball so um loved being part of that what was the difference between being in an office at wku versus being in a bigger office like ku yeah well for sure uh when it came to sports like men's basketball uh at western we had to beg for coverage i mean we were third fourth fifth depending on depending on everybody's uh, success at eastern at Murray State, at Moorhead, you know, we, we were always going to be behind the University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville. And and that's fine. But um, it meant, you know, working extra hard to get even our, our big sports some coverage. Um, at Kansas, the coverage came to you. You did not have to worry about never, you know, you never had to promote uh, the men's basketball team. Now, on the other side, I also worked with women's basketball, totally different story. We did mm-hmm. have to, you know, we really did have to go out and, and pitch stories, but, but really the, the coverage was just starting to increase at that point. So we did get some good coverage, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, you know, in, in, at Western, we were, we were an afterthought sometimes at uh, KU, we were the story. Exactly. Yeah. So when you moved to the NCAA, uh, kind of the same phrasing of a question, but difference was between working in an SID office and now you're kind of facilitating between a bunch of other SIDs. Uh, what were some of your responsibilities with the NCAA? Well, so for the first oh, seven years that I worked there, I worked in publishing. And as an editor, um, I did a few things. I, I read every single syllable that went into every championships handbook, every statistics manual, uh, every record book, uh, the NCAA rule book, um, again, kind of like sports information, I had my beats that I uh, that I covered, and uh-huh. legislation was one of those. Um, championships was one of those. So if it was printed by the NCAA, we we read it and edited it and made suggestions and caught errors and and all that sort of thing. So I was a true editor for quite a few years there. And then I transitioned to um, the special events area, 
and the NCA wanted to get into the business of fan festivals at its championships. Okay. And so um, they started a, a fan fest at the men's final four and the women's final four, and it was called Hoop City at the time. Now it's morphed into, had several different names and morphed into a, a completely different event now, but back then... Uh, it was Hoop City, and I was in charge of Hoop City at the men's Final Four. Okay, awesome. So yeah. before I get into my, my next couple of questions, what in the world is energy consulting? <laughs> well, you know, that's when a friend calls you and says, hey, I work for this really cool company. You can live wherever you want, work wherever you want, and you don't have to know anything about energy. Okay. You just need to know how to market okay. energy. Well, so I hate to tell you, but you kind of do sort of need to know a little bit about energy. So I did. I spent seven years, I believe, learning about the energy industry. And it was fascinating. And I think I said up front that I made more money in that job than I've made in any other job I've had. So yeah. it was it was great in that regard. Um, I worked with some super, super smart people and got to go some really cool places. But at the end of the day... It was not my true passion, mm -hmm. and I wanted to find a way to get back into college sports. You mentioned kind of true passion there, and that kind of leads right into my next my next question here. So, like you said, you missed college sports. I mean, that was your calling. That was everything. So what would you say to those people that just feel like they're maybe they're stuck somewhere, and maybe that they're not doing exactly what they want to do? Um, what would you say to those people to kind of shake them up a little bit in order to kind of do what they really love doing? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know that it's a little bit cliche, but timing is certainly everything. Um, but you have to position yourself to be ready when that time comes. And I think to do that is to uh, network like, you know, like, like your life depended on it. <laughs> I mean, just make those connections, volunteer for those events. If you're fortunate like me and you live in a metropolitan area that hosts championship events and different types of sporting events, volunteer. Go be that go-to person that the sports commission relies on. Um, get involved with all, you know, as many different kinds of activities as you can and make connections because truly every job I've gotten has been I would say maybe with the exception of the NCAA, which I went in kind of cold, didn't really know anybody, um, had a good interview, was fortunate. But the two things that have helped me along the way have been knowing people and when I got into the job, doing a good job so that the next person was going to want to hire me too. Right, exactly. And we'll kind of get into some of those networking things here in a little bit. But yeah. first I want to ask, what did you take away from working in those years with the energy consulting in healthcare and translating them to what you do now with COSIDA? Sure. I would say um, I talked about the super smart people. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned is um, it continues to be the, the team aspect approach of projects and letting people um, play to their strengths. So while I may not have known about, you know, how an energy current gets from point A to point B, I listened to the people who did. And then when they came to me and said, now, how are we going to promote what we do? You know, they, they respected what I had to say because I had some marketing background. So I think just, just being part of a team and letting people play to their strengths was, uh, was what a good takeaway for me from 
from my days as an energy marketer. So how, before all that, how much did you actually kind of participate in COSIDA? Good question. Uh, I went to a COSIDA convention as part of the crew at Kansas. Um, actually, you know what? I think COSIDA was in Kansas City one of my two years there. And then okay. I also went to one out of town. So I, I went to two conventions. Um, we had, we were winners of some of the publication contests at the time. So I, I had my name on a, a certificate or two. Um, desktop publishing was in its infancy. We figured out how to do that. Uh-huh. And uh, now now I look back at it and I kind of laugh because, wow, that was some pretty simple stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but at the time, it was a big deal. And uh, so, you know, I think from that standpoint, I would say that I was very aware of COSIDA. I was not uh, in any position experience-wise, I felt, to, you know, be on a committee or, or anything like that, but I sure had fun at the conventions and, um, remember the, you know, now, now that I'm in the position I'm in, I look back and I think, yeah, you know, we had a great time. Now I know why people, you know, really want to come to our convention every year because it is such a great time to, to see and, and meet, to see old friends, meet new people and network like we talked about. Exactly. So you kind of mentioned convention there. Um, just real quick, can you kind of give us a little bit of a preview of what is coming at, uh, DC? Oh, quick, quick, David, really? I think I'm going to well, be able to get uh, three, four days of programming. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, okay, very excited about COSIDA 18. Uh, first of all, we, once again, will have a sidearm leadership forum, which is an event we added a few years ago for people that are prob- possibly wanting to climb the ladder in, in um, athletic departments. This is exciting. For the first year ever, we are having a COSIDA U camp, and this is specifically for undergraduate students. So um, we've got, oh, I don't know, 20, 20, 30 people registered for that, which I think is a a phenomenal number for a first year. We're very excited for that. Um, you know, there are lots of different committee. The Job Seekers has, um, you know, a, a, an interview and resume um, service whenever they're on site. Goodwill and Wellness has the Community Service Project, 5K Run and Walk. Um, but our programming, and that that's kind of what I wanted to get at a little bit. I won't take too much of your time, but you know, our programming gets better and better every year, in my opinion. So this year, some new things. We are going to have a diversity and inclusion panel, actually several panels this year. Okay. Um, that I hope our members take a, you know, take a, um, a look at as they're, they're working on their schedule for the, uh, for the week. We also are going to have a student-athlete experience panel, and we're going to have current student-athletes, but we're also going to have our Academic All-America Hall of Fame inductees present uh, present on that panel as well as former student athletes. So that'll be, that'll be really cool. Uh, we'll have a town hall about the state of athletic communications. Um, divisional day is a very, uh, popular, popular day when each division has its own specific programming. Um, sports communications consultant Craig can is going to have a presentation during the kickoff breakfast and let's see. Oh, speed networking. I love, I can't believe we're talking about all this networking. This is awesome. Uh, last year we had a speed networking session and it was really, really popular. So we brought it back again this year and, you know, just the, uh, the joint sessions with NACMA that we usually have are very popular. And then of course I could get into all the social activities, but 
I don't know if we have time for that. Well, you want to hear about some of the social activities? Uh, I think we got we got some wiggle room. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, New Lion is presenting the kickoff reception. That's on Wednesday night. Um, you know, one of the greatest events that we have at the convention uh, is the Academic All-America Hall of Fame induction, and that's Thursday night. And our class this year, Mike Lowell, former baseball player, World Series champion, Jason Hansen, um, gosh, 20 years as the kick place kicker for the Detroit Lions, um, Dr. Harry Edwards, who is an amazing a catalyst for change in the civil rights through our country, but mostly through athletics and Peyton Manning. So, uh, you know, I don't probably don't need to say too much about Peyton. People do know who he is, but uh-huh. um, anyway, Heisman Trophy, Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. So great class this year. And that's on Thursday night. Um, ESPN throws its party at the pier immediately after the academic all America induction on Thursday. Um, if you were there last year, you, re- you might remember NACTA opens its exhibit hall with lots of really great food and drink for COSIDA members on Friday. Uh, we'll have a chance to get together with the women leaders in college sports team for a reception. And then our, our concluding activity, our farewell event, is um, bus trips to the National Mall. So... Um, Looking very much forward to seeing everybody. I think, you know, I, I think it's safe to say we're probably going to break a record and have over a thousand people at the convention this year. Okay, awesome. One of those programs, I want to talk about the mentor program a little bit. Um, so I want to know where it came from, where this idea kind of came from. Um, I'm part of it. I was part of it last year. I had a great mentor and uh, Matt Turk and whoever wants to be my mentor this year. I think I'm pretty <laughs> awesome. So uh, where did that kind of come from? Um, What do you kind of plan on doing with that? Where do you see it going? Thank you for asking about the mentorship program, David. I'm glad you had a great experience uh, last year, and I'm super excited that you're going to do it again this year. So um, past president Andy Seeley a couple of years ago, as he was actually heading into his presidency the year before, had said he really wanted to uh, have a program that he could he could you know, used to leave his mark on the association. And we had several discussions about what that looked like. And he came up with the idea of um, the mentor program. And so we're heading into our fourth year. And we have had, I think we started off with maybe 25 matches. So about 50 people present uh, participating the first year to last year, we had over 200 participating. So um, we are changing it up a little bit this year, which I'm, I'm excited about because I think it's going to make the experience even better. Uh, we've asked for some more information from, from each person to mm-hmm. help us with the matching. Um, we are going to allow mentees to basically look at the list of mentors and pick their top three choices this year. Uh, we've never done that before, so I'm looking forward to see how that goes. Uh, we are going to have more frequent check-ins with, with uh, we're going to ask that the mentors and mentees have more frequent check-ins with each other, but we're also going to monitor that as a staff to make sure that that the level of communication is where it needs to be for this type of relationship to succeed. Uh, we're also going to use COSI to connect quite a bit this year. In fact, um, each mentor and mentee is going to be assigned a time to get on COSI to connect and throw out questions or ideas or um, best practices or or whatever, just to stimulate discussion so that we all can learn 
from each other. Um, we are also going to quarterly look at how the relationships are working. And if something isn't clicking, we're going to be able to reassign at that time. So, um, you know, we have had, uh, and this just happens in any program, we've had people leave the profession midway through uh-huh. and not really be able to, you know, to keep up with a mentor or a mentee. Uh, we've had people who've gotten very busy with, you know, whatever, a championship run, a job change, whatever the situation. There are many very valid reasons why you might not be able to give your all to the program. And that is where one side then sort of suffers from that. So we want to make sure that there's not any part of that relationship that's struggling. So we sort of put in this quarterly check-in and if, if things aren't, you know, like I said, if things aren't clicking like they should be, then we're going to reassign and we're going to have plenty of people to be able to do that with. Awesome. Glad to hear it. You kind of mentioned Cosida Connect a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, what is kind of all that about, if you don't mind me asking? I, I've gotten on there just a few times. I know there used to be kind of forum type of things. Um, what's the per- kind of same question, purpose? Where do you see it going with that? Sure. Well, Cosida Connect came from um, an idea by our executive director, Doug Vance, uh, a few years ago that the, the spirit of community is what – really helps association members grow. So being part of something, right? You wouldn't be part of COSIDA if you didn't want to be part of a community. So to help that communication within the community is um, this notion of an online forum. And um, so we did, you know, we did some research and and found a, a software platform that we thought works for us and introduced COSIDA Connect several years ago. So really, it is just an online community of your peers. And um, we've learned a lot in the few years that we've had it and how it works best. And one thing that I've noticed um, is that, you know, people don't necessarily want to create their own um, individual communities. They don't want to necessarily shrink the membership down from 3,000 to where it's just, you know, it's just... Uh, these 10 people who have an interest in this, they want to be out there in the larger group talking. So we have had, uh, you know, if you, if you go on there from time to time, you will see um, a conversation. Somebody's asking for help on, you know, Hey, I just had a student athlete do this. Does anybody remember that ever happening again or before? And our community, our members respond. They're like, oh, yep, you know, this happened at the school. Oh, I remember whenever, you know, this, I did this at this school. And so there's been a a lot of information sharing in that regard. But there's also been a lot of, um, I've seen people ask for help with social media policies with student athletes. And and members have come through with, you know, we developed this policy a few years ago. Here's, you know, here's the document that we use. So it's the notion of sharing and making each other better. Uh, the great thing about being in the SID profession is that even though we, our schools compete on the court, we are very good sharers off the court. And nobody, um, you know, pe- people want to see each other succeed. And so they're not, you know, it doesn't bother them to share a social media policy or, um, you know, guidelines for how we do this or, or media policies or anything like this. So COSIDA Connect has sort of become the place where members can reach out and ask each other for things like that. Um, I only see it growing. I think there are some programs that we can introduce to the community that will help that growth. Um, so I, I encourage people to get on and 
and, you know, be a lurker at first, just look, see what kind of conversations are taking place. But, um, there's, there should be no fear of, of jumping in and, and saying something whenever you have something to say because it's a great forum for that. Awesome. Well, glad to hear it. Hope more people are, are participating in that. Last question I have for you before uh, we move on into some of the fun ones. Um, academic All-American. Are there any changes to that coming? Well, um, we, we do Oh, I laugh when you say that because we just this year, uh, for okay. 2017-18, introduced an entirely new system and uh wow so first of all this is cosida's signature program it's almost 60 years old almost as old as the association itself right it is a very very important recognition that is um that is actually referred to by our student athletes more than you you can ever know uh i've been i, I was at the ncaa convention in january and they had their awards, and several of the winners said the most important award they got while being a student-athlete was the Academic All-America Award. So we know it's important to them, and we are good stewards of that program, and we should be very proud, and, and as members, we should be honored to be able to, um, to have this program. So the changes this year were not without uh, their challenges, we updated to a much more modern system um, that's eventually <laughs> eventually going to let us know more um, about our voting and our nominating and, and things like that. But um, the committee, the Academic All-America Committee, has worked so hard this year to make improvements from the fall to the winter sports was a huge dramatic improvement from winter to spring same thing and now now that the program um voting has ended for the last sport this this academic year we're going to go back back to our partners our software partners and and make it even better for 2018-19 but i you know i'm going to have a lot more information about the academic all-america program at the convention um it was a change and because it's a change people were uncomfortable with it i would uh i hope that people are at the convention and come and ask me about it i want to tell people how to um how to vote better how to take some time off of the process because it is a very important process and it should never be easy when you're picking between, you know, 20 cross-country runners who all have 4.0 GPAs, what's, you know, what's the distinction, right? It shouldn't right. be an easy process. These are the cream of the crop of our student-athletes. So that part's not going to be easy. But how you go about it and the processes for nominating and voting, those are things that we ultimately are going to make easier. So um, I've appreciated the membership giving feedback this year. Uh, there's been a lot of it. We've listened to every single bit of it. I've appreciated the patience um, that members have shown as we've, you know, gone from one ballot to another and made changes and, and tried really to, to answer, get a lot of feedback uh, instituted from one one season to another. Uh, but I do also want our members to know that they they need to hang in there. This is too important to not be the strongest program, one of the strongest programs that we have. So I'm looking forward to talking about it at the convention, and I'm also open to talking about it at any time during the course of 
the season. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. I hope that people that are concerned with that or have any questions, I hope that they do reach out to you. We'll get your contact information here at the end of this interview. But I would like to start to transition to some fun things I usually like to ask people because they're always different. Uh, first one I have for you, Lori, is uh, your very first taste of sports information. Oh, gosh. Well, oh, I, saw, I think, well I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. Know. Yeah. Uh, favorite no. memory. Sorry. That's I don't know okay. why I did that. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had to think hard about a favorite memory. First of all, because like I, I may have said earlier, my memory just isn't as great as it used to be. <laughs> um, but I kind of settled on um, sort of a combination. And this may be cheating. But the opportunity that I've had through the course of events that I've done in college sports um, has it's given me, you know, it's, it's led me to meet some really incredible people. Um, so I met a lot of famous people. It's awesome. They're all great. Um, they're fun to work with, but I think maybe the, the meeting that had the most impact on me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to tag this as my favorite memory was spending time with two gentlemen who had, uh, so much to do with the integration of college basketball John McClendon and Clarence Big House Gaines. They were two men that we honored when I worked at the NCAA. And I had a chance to spend, oh gosh, the better part of a day with both of them. And two truer gentlemen I don't think I've ever met uh, in my life. And they, they're just the fact that the, the, the imprint that they had on college basketball and the integration of the sport was important to me. And they were just absolute joys to be with. And um, I really, I, I would say that's probably my favorite memory from college, my, my days in college sports. What about on the other side? What's your uh, biggest horror story? Oh, goodness. Well, um, you know, anytime you produce events or you rely on technology and scripting, um, things don't always go according to script. Um, I have had several failures like that, but I will say as recently as last year, uh, we had a plan for getting the Academic All-America Hall of Fame inductees on and off the stage at the beginning of the show, and it did not quite work out the way we planned. They went out on stage way too early, and um, it ended up, it's kind of funny, it ended up being much better than what our plan was, so we're going to do it that way again this year. But I will say that my heart kind of jumped whenever I looked at I looked up from my script and they were standing on stage when they were not supposed to be there. So, um, yeah, but it's funny, again, how those things turn around, mm -hmm. and that's the way we're going to do it this year. Perfect. Awesome. Well, at least you kind of took something out of it. But um, I know you kind of mentioned a lot of stuff already, but uh, besides taking part in COSIDA, uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Sure. I, I thought a lot about this. Um, I guess my, my advice would be to be patient. Um, do the job you're asked to do. Do it to the best of your ability. Don't think anything is above or below your pay grade. Just do the job. Ask questions if you don't understand something. You know, your career has a way of working itself out. That's such a long-term thing. Um, but in the short term, do the job you're hired to do, and, and just be patient. Your career will work itself out. Okay, awesome. Short, sweet, to the point. So <laughs> um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? 
So we've talked a little bit about some of the technology mm-hmm. that we've introduced with COSIDA Connect and this year with the Academic All-America program. And um, we recently instituted a whole new da- member database. So technology makes our association better, right? right? We have invested money in these new software systems to automate processes and you know to do things to communicate with our members better to help them learn Uh, but all of that being said none of it matters if we don't know what our members truly need so i think what i'm interested to learn about all the time in my job is what do our members want you know we have benefits we have a convention um you know we we try to be advocates for sports information directors at all levels but there's probably some things we don't even know about that SIDs in, in offices across our country, you know, really need. So, um, you know, I, I want, that's what I like to do. I like to hear uh, from the sports information directors and find out what it is we can do to help them do their job better. I know this next one's kind of a tough question and kind of loaded, um, but what do you think makes a great sports information director? Well, I gave you um, two examples of great mentors when I got into the business, right? Paul Just and Doug Vance. The characteristic that I think they shared was that they operated on an even keel. They never got too high. They never got too low. I mean, it could have been a Final Four win, and um, Doug Vance was calm. Or it could have been a crisis in the athletic department, and both of them knew how to handle those things. Um, I have always been a reactionary person, right? I kind of fly off the handle a little bit, Okay. but, but Doug and Paul are calm and they have really taught me as I've, you know, as I was early in my career and even now later, they have both taught me so much about, um, not overreacting to situations. And, you know, I also do tremendously think a sense of humor works. I mean, it's so much more fun to work in an office where people enjoy each other and have a good time and can, you know, can make fun of each other, but yet in a great way. Um, one of my best friends in the business is John Painter, who is at Colgate University. And uh, I just literally got an email from one of his assistants today who said, hey, I have a best boss ever story and proceeded to tell me something great that John had done for their staff. And uh, so I, I looked to some, you know, somebody like John. The people that work for him love to work for him, and it's because he's a great guy, and he has a sense of humor, and he he always puts them first. So I would say those are some qualities that I think are, you know, make a great SID. Uh, what about a work-life balance? What do you do to have fun? Hmm. So my husband Jeff and I are finally getting used to being empty nesters. So our daughter just graduated from uh, George Washington University with her master's degree. She lives in Washington, D.C. full-time. And our son will be a senior at the University of Kansas. And this summer, he is working an internship in Colorado Springs. Um, So we're alone with each other most of the time, which is not always a great thing, but we're trying to figure out, you know, what do we still, what, what are things we still have in common, right? We spent so many years, um, 
going to and from things that involved our kids. Well, one thing, and it's kind of sad, but really, so far, most of the things that we like to do still pretty much involve sports. Um, We've always been big high school sports geeks, so we still go to football and basketball. I go to a lot of volleyball matches at the high school that our kids went to. Uh Um, Keeps us involved with a great group of friends that we made while they were in school. Um, Now... In the fall and the winter, we spend a lot of time at the University of Kansas. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Kansas is not necessarily known for their football. But oh yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, we actually have season tickets for Kansas football, mm-hmm. so we sit through some some fairly substandard uh, football in the fall. You beat Texas. Side. What now? You beat Texas. Yeah, it's a couple years ago, and we will ride that as long as we possibly can, for sure. But the flip side of that is we also go to all of the Kansas basketball home games. So we see some fairly high-level competition during uh-huh. the winter. And, you know, I have to say when when college basketball starts back up and I am back in Allen Fieldhouse for the first time in six or seven months, I get chills. It is a magical place and it never gets old. And sometimes I think, oh gosh, do we really want to go? You know, is this, maybe this should be the time where we, you know, we stop going. But once I step foot in that place, I just, I look around and I think, yep, this is why we love it. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah. And then I guess as a side, if, if I have to come up with something that doesn't involve sports, my family doesn't really live close to me. So I do spend a lot of time traveling to visit them. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister works in college athletics, so sometimes our jobs put us at the same events, and so I get to spend some extra time with her, which is a complete bonus. Awesome, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah did you did you hear about the Texas? I think it was Texas A and M fan like bought a billboard, rented a billboard, and said, "Just remember, <laughs> Kansas beat Texas." I think uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in Austin. But um, <laughs> now, where are you? Are you are you around the Kansas City area? Is am I correct in saying that? Yes, okay. I am uh, in Olathe, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas City. Okay. Um, so about really, gosh, we just moved recently and we're about 30, 40 minutes from Lawrence. Okay. So be- between Kansas City and Lawrence. Okay, awesome. So next time someone's in that area, I mean, Allen Fieldhouse has got to be a bucket list for people. Kansas City is a beautiful place. Um, what What is your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh, is there any question that if you come to Kansas City that I'm not going to take you to a barbecue joint? Exactly, I yeah. will, and I, there are two that are my favorites. Now, I would not consider myself a barbecue expert in the least, but I will tell you that one of the best places I've ever eaten is Joe's Kansas City. Uh, it used to be called Oklahoma Joe's. They recently rebranded to Joe's Kansas City. But if you look in any rating of barbecue across the country, uh, they will always be in the top five, and most most of the time they're number one. So first we go to Joe's, and then probably the next day uh, we would go to Q39, and that is a uh, relatively new restaurant here, but totally different barbecue than Joe's, but spectacular. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had our uh, spring meeting for our staff, so we get together a couple of times a year as a staff where we just do staff things. And uh, that's usually in April. So this year they came to Kansas City and we ate at Joe's for lunch the first day and at Q39 for lunch the second day. So those that, those would be the top two places I'd take you. 
Awesome. Good to, glad to hear it. So if anybody had any questions for you, whether it be about the convention, about Academic All-American, maybe they just want to say hi, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Well, my contact information is on the COSIDA website, first okay. and foremost. Uh, but if you cannot cannot find it there, uh, lauriebolig at COSIDA.com. It's my email. And my phone number is 913-707-0365. Um, I also have the ability or, or the, the um, I'm lucky to live in the middle of the country. And we have a lot of NCAA and NAIA championship events here. So, uh, you know, for sports information directors who find themselves hanging out in Kansas City for one of those events, please call me. I'll take you to lunch. We'll go to Joe's. It might even be on Cosida. So I, right. I think that's an offer that you shouldn't refuse. But no, I, I love, I love meeting members. I love hearing from them. Uh, it's all about our members. And yeah, I would encourage anyone who has questions about anything we talk about uh, to to get in touch with me. Perfect. Well, Lori, thank you very much for coming on. I know that we are all very excited to head to D.C. I know I am, just to get away for a little bit, have some fun and meet some people that, uh, one, I haven't met yet, or two, that, I've already, that I, just, I just missed. So um, thank you very much for coming on. Oh, I appreciate it, David. You do a great job with this, and uh, uh, our members are fortunate to have you uh, doing this, and I can't wait to see you in Washington, D.C. All right. Thank you. Well, guys, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you guys have some sort of direction as to what you're going to be going to, some some panels and maybe seeing some things, maybe some of the, uh, uh, what is it, kind of the social life afterwards. I hope to see you all there. Um, go ahead and if you want or if you just want to hang out or something like that, shoot me a message over on Twitter, at SportsInfoCast, or even at my personal Twitter, at DavidGibson underscore XC. Uh, and you can also email us if, if that's not an option for you uh, anytime. Sportsinfocast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on Stitcher. Uh, TuneIn Radio. We're, wherever you can find us. And be sure to go ahead and leave us a rating and a review whenever you get there. It just takes a couple of seconds to leave us a, a five, a four star. Um, and pardon the tapping sound in the background. It's, it's really starting to rain here. Uh, on this afternoon as we're supposed to get rain for like the next six straight days or something stupid like that. But, um, we will not have an episode next week. We will be in Cosida and I really don't want to have to edit something like that and have that some sort of turnaround while being in a hotel room and then going out and then also, uh, being at the panels and things like that. So, uh, expect no episode next week. I'm kind of finalizing the schedule after that, so our, our header may be a little bit different um, going into the next couple of weeks. Once I figure out who my mentor is, I, I'm probably going to put them on as soon as possible, but I do have two other people scheduled in the next upcoming weeks, but the order of those in which I'm going to put them out, um, kind of a question mark right now. So if you don't see an episode from us and, you, and you're just like, what the heck, Dave? Well, Dave is in Washington, D.C., so um, if you got a problem with it, we have 81, 80 other episodes you can go back and listen to. So, but anyway, I hope you all enjoyed it and I hope to catch you all in the next episode.